Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to a podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR Welcome icon, in, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Street is on the phone. Another podcast this week, America. The Air Tour Podcast presents My best friend sportsbook, it is Wednesday. February 1st, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. If you're a college football fan, I hope you enjoy the second national signing day, even though basically nobody is signing today. Neither here nor there. We got a loaded Aaron Torres sports podcast. Here's what you need to know. Let's get into it. Let's discuss. We are on a little bit of a hot streak with the NFL. Obviously talked about those two playoff games on Monday show, Bengals, Chiefs, and that snoozer between the 49ers and the Eagles. I'll tell you what. I got one interesting thought on the NFL for today's show. Sean Payton headed to Denver. I actually have something a little historical interesting that you can share at your local uh, watering hole when you get together with your friends because I think this one will work, but it might not. But I think there's an interesting historical reference here that I think you guys and girls will enjoy. From there, just a little bit of college football. As I said, National Signing Day is today actually a second National Signing Day. But I don't really want to talk about that. Instead, what I want to talk about is Nick Saban had some very interesting comments on NIL. Now, I promise this isn't going to be a boring NIL conversation. But he said something that I think speaks to the future of what NIL is going to look like in college sports. And speaking of college sports, we'll wrap on a loaded Tuesday night in college hoops where all sorts of good games. We had Kansas, Kansas State Part 2. We had Duke playing Wake. We had Kentucky at Ole Miss, a lot of interesting games on and on. We will wrap with college hoops, a lot of good stuff on today's show. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, like I just said a second ago, a little bit of a quieter time in college football, college hoops, there's some stuff, but it's nothing too crazy. And so what I thought we would lead today's show with Uh, It's actually an NFL story. We don't talk a ton of NFL, but listen, 50-something million of you watched the AFC Championship game this weekend. I think it was over 50 million at one point were watching the NFC Championship game. So you guys and girls care about the NFL. And there was one interesting piece of news that broke on Tuesday afternoon when Sean Payton, Super Bowl winning head coach, he was basically, you know, kind of like that Urban Meyer of the NFL, um, you know, one at the highest level has been out. Is he going to come back now? Maybe urban Meyer won't come back. Maybe it's not a perfect analogy, but urban Meyer, when he was out for that year, every single day, there was a new story, new speculation. What's going to happen. What could happen? What won't happen? Well, we got some clarification on uh Tuesday as Sean Payton is headed to the Denver Broncos. I'll tell you one of the weirder deals I've ever seen where Sean Payton, basically from the second that he got out of coaching, basically said, Yeah, I want back in. Usually a lot of these guys, they'll play it cool. No, you know, I'm happy being away. I'm happy doing TV. There's no rush back. I remember seeing Sean Payton in week one um, on Colin Cowherd's show basically saying, oh, no, I will be coaching again probably next year. So credit Sean Payton. He just told it like it is, and he is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And so I have a lot of thoughts, but what I would start by saying, this was a real wild courtship, right? Again. Sean Payton basically said, I want to coach and I want to coach soon. 
We all assume that it's either Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton is the favorite in Denver. Jim Harbaugh returns to Michigan. Then it looks like it's Sean Payton's job. Then it looks like Sean Payton isn't taking the job and he's going to return to TV. And then we get that weird story on Saturday night that Denver had actually flown to Ann Arbor to meet with Jim Harbaugh again. And so I'll be honest, even though Sean Payton officially was announced as the Broncos head coach on Tuesday, the first inkling that I had that I believed that Sean Payton was going to be the next head coach was actually that Saturday night Jim Harbaugh uh, 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 report that came out from Adam Schefter. And let me explain why. And by the way, I said all this on Fox Sports Radio on Saturday night. You can go back and listen to that podcast if you do not believe me. But let me explain why I thought that Adam Schefter report indicated to me that the Broncos actually wanted Sean Payton. Because if you read the report, it was kind of a weird report, right? The report was essentially this. Jim Harbaugh, a week at... So so Jim Harbaugh met with the Denver Broncos probably about you know, two or three days after Michigan got knocked out of the college football playoff, he had a Zoom interview with them. A few days later, maybe a week, 10 days later, he officially announces in conjunction with the Michigan school president, he is returning to Michigan. And so that seemed to be the end of it. Then we get this report from Adam Schefter on Saturday night that Denver had actually flown to Ann Arbor to meet with Jim Harbaugh. But what stuck with me, what I found very interesting, wasn't that. Everybody focused on that. Oh, is Jim Harbaugh actually going to leave for the NFL? But if you read the the report from Schefter on Saturday, and again, we talked about it on Fox Sports Radio, um, it was interesting because he does this whole report of Denver flew flew to Ann Arbor to meet with Jim Harbaugh. But then the end of the report, Adam Schefter says, yeah, but there's not really a market for Jim Harbaugh in the NFL at this particular moment. And so that was the moment. Right then, right there, that I put on my little Hardy Boys detective hat, you know, my little Ace Ventura, uh, you know, Hawaiian shirt. And I said, hmm, something doesn't add up here. So we have this report that Denver flew to Michigan to meet with Jim Harbaugh. But then the end of the report says there's no market for Jim Harbaugh in the NFL. That makes no sense. Unless, dun, 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 unless, what if? Denver wants this report out that they've met with Jim Harbaugh to try and get somebody else for their job to commit, to try and get a guy that maybe is on the fence, that maybe isn't going to take the job. Maybe say, hey, we got other options, including this guy Harbaugh at Michigan. And I believe that that was a sign that they were trying to basically create a market that didn't exist for their job to get Sean Payton to commit. Whether that was 100% accurate or not, I think it probably was. But the job got done, and Sean Payton is the head coach with the Broncos. And so what's interesting about this story now is, to be blunt, it's that, you know, I think there's really kind of two camps in terms of Sean Payton going forward. I think there's the camp that probably most of us sit in that say, well, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl, um, was the most prominent head coach that was available unless you want to say Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh never won a Super Bowl. So there's only one guy that won a Super Bowl that's, that was really available and the Denver Broncos got him. And so to me, that was kind of where I stood. I was like, okay, one guy available, best candidate, good for the Broncos. There is also kind of this, I think it's a smaller minority that really is like kind of anti Sean Payton. Like I was kind of surprised in just listening to sports talk radio and talking to friends in football and all that, where you had a lot of people that said, yeah, I get that he won a Super Bowl, but that was in 2009. He stayed in New Orleans for 11 more years, never made it back to the Super Bowl and only made one NFC championship game during that stretch. Was he that good or did he just catch lightning in a bottle? Now, I will say, that I tend to lean more towards the, if you can get a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you go get him. I think for Denver, it's especially important because here's the bottom line. Russell Wilson, listen, I haven't given up on Russell Wilson, but what is clear about Russell Wilson is that he maybe lives in his own little world. Maybe Russell Wilson loves Russell Wilson a little bit more than anybody else does. And so I don't think you could come into this situation with another assistant coach like Nathaniel Hackett, another no-name, another nobody. I think you had to come in here with a alpha, strong personality that is going to push back on him and is going to coach him. 
And so that's why I'm excited about this, because I think if there's one guy that can get the most out of Russell Wilson, it is going to be Sean Payton. What I will say, though, and, and this is why I wanted to talk about it, because I was thinking about this. I do think there is a historical, interesting comparison for Sean Payton as to why this might not work. So I think it'll work pretty well. Sean Payton, head coach, Russell Wilson, if anybody's going to get the most out of him, it's Sean Payton. But this is a tough division with my boy Patrick Mahomes. I was trying to bury Patrick Mahomes for the last 12 months, and all he did was make me look stupid. And Justin Herbert with the Chargers. So it's, it's the toughest division probably in football, in the NFL. But what's interesting to me is that really the, the the situation that Sean Payton is inheriting is a lot different than the one that he got in New Orleans. New Orleans, historically irrelevant franchise, never very good. He gets there. He gets the young quarterback. Um, Drew Brees was about 26, 27 when he gets to New Orleans, and they have 14, 15 years together where they make magic. This is a lot different. They have given up virtually all of their draft picks. Remember. To get Russell Wilson, here is what they gave up to get Russell Wilson last year. Their their first-round pick this year, their first-round pick in 2023, their second-round pick this year, their fifth-round pick this year, and their second-round pick next year. So to get Russell Wilson, they gave up five picks overall, this year's first-rounder, next year's first-rounder, this year's second-rounder, next year's second-rounder. Okay. Well, now keep in mind that this is what they had to give up to get Sean Payton. So they actually acquired a first-round pick from the San Francisco 49ers. They they have to give up that first-round pick to get Sean Payton and a second-rounder next year. So in total, you have to give up three firsts and three seconds to get Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Why is that important? It's because you have an older veteran roster Not like what you inherited in New Orleans. In New Orleans, you got to put your fingerprints on everything. You got to rebuild through the draft. You had a young quarterback. In Denver, you're going to have a soon-to-be 35-year-old Russell Wilson, and you got to figure it out with him and not a lot of draft picks. And it reminded me of something, seeing the situation in Denver. It reminds me of something that I just read, and I might have mentioned this on this show. I don't know if I did. But I recently finished Jimmy Johnson's autobiography. I think most of you know who Jimmy Johnson is. For those of you who don't, you know, iconic football coach, one of only three guys to win a national championship in college and the NFL, won a national title at Miami, won two Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. But what a lot of people forget is that after he left the Cowboys in 96, he actually took a year or two off and then came back and coached the Miami Dolphins starting, or excuse me, he left the Dallas Cowboys in 93, took a few years off, started coaching the Miami Dolphins in 1996. And it's easy to forget the Miami Dolphins years, right? When you win two Super Bowls with the Cowboys, you tend to forget that he came back and coached four more years with the Dolphins. He actually had pretty good success. Three playoff appearances in four years, two playoff wins overall. But because he never replicated the success with the Miami Dolphins, people don't really remember that. And so why I think this parallel works, let me explain. In Jimmy Johnson's book, he talks all about this. Comes to the Cowboys, it's a complete dumpster fire. Jerry Jones is the owner. He takes over the team. The team is awful. He trades all their good players for draft picks, most notably the Herschel Walker trade, uh, which everybody kind of knows about at this point, and gets all these draft picks and drafts Emmitt Smith and drafts Troy Aikman and drafts this guy and drafts that guy, and they build a Super Bowl champion. The problem was, When he got to Miami, he wanted to implement the same thing, but couldn't. They had an aging, veteran, iconic quarterback named Dan Marino. They didn't really have very many first-round picks, or very many draft picks. You can't trade Dan Marino, the, the face of the franchise, for the last 15 years, so you've got to build around him even though he's limited. And even though the the, the Dolphins made some good picks in that process— they were never able to re- re- you know, replicate. Jimmy Johnson was never able to replicate the Cowboys success that he had because at the end of the day, he had an aging quarterback, not a lot of draft picks, and he, he gave it a four or five-year run. It just didn't work and decided to move on into retirement and has not coached since. Well, let me ask you. Aging quarterback, back end of his career, no draft picks. What does that sound like? Sounds like the 2023 Denver Broncos that Sean Payton is inheriting. So to me, that's where it gets interesting. I'm excited to see how he does in this division 
with Justin Herbert, with Patrick Mahomes, but I'm also realistic. How much can he build this team up given the fact that they've given up three first rounders and three second rounders to get Russell Wilson and Sean, and Sean Payton as the head coach? It's going to be worth monitoring. It's very interesting to me. And I'll add one last thought before we get out of here. And I think I might've talked about this on the show. I can't remember, but what is going to be especially interesting to follow is this the pathway of the Denver Broncos over the next two, three, four years versus one of their division rivals who I just mentioned, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, if I haven't talked about it on this show, I've certainly talked about it on radio. I am not a Brandon Staley guy. I don't believe in him. I don't believe in the analytics stuff. I think he's full of crap. I think he's a weirdo. I think he's nervous. I think he coaches afraid. Maybe he's not a weirdo, but he definitely coaches afraid. Poor guy. I'm just out here calling him a weirdo. But when I said after the season, when they blew that 27-0 lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars or whatever it was, I think it was 27-0. I said, you got to fire Brandon Staley. You got to bring in Sean Payton because Sean Payton had basically openly flirted with the Los Angeles Chargers over the last year. Like Sean Payton was essentially the guy that just walks up to a married woman at a bar with her husband and starts talking to her right in front of him. Like, I think it's kind of rude from Sean Payton's perspective. They have a coach. They're in the playoffs. But he was just talking about the Chargers job as if it was going to open. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward with Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. And more interestingly, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Los Angeles Chargers and, you know, and Sean Payton in their division because Sean Payton clearly wanted that job. Sean Payton was clearly op- hoping that job would open and he'd get to work with a 25, 26 year old J- J- uh, Justin Herbert over the next couple years. It did not happen. And here's my question. If Brandon Staley's a disaster next year and the division just got tougher with Sean Payton in it and he gets fired and then you got to go get another mediocre B minus coach. Are you going to regret just not having fired Brandon Staley this year? And having gone and gotten the guy that wanted your job in the first place. Listen, I'll say this. This is the one thing I've learned from college football. Once it goes sideways, once a locker room doesn't believe in a head coach, once a fan base doesn't believe in a head coach, it's really hard to skew the other way. Outside of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, name me a coach that 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 has, has been really high, had a lot of success, then cratered, and then built himself back up. I can't think of many. Dan Mullen was kind of my eye-opener on this. Like, once it got bad for Dan, like, like people were telling me probably three weeks before it got really bad for Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen ain't the guy. And I said, eh, I don't know. Then it got really bad and then he got fired. And so I just bring it up because I think Brandon Staley's gone in a year and you had a chance to get a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But what I will say, very interesting deal. Uh, Brandon Staley uh, is uh, Brandon Staley. Sean Payton is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and it will be fascinating to watch. So what I do take a quick break. Come back. Nick Saban. Some very interesting comments on NIL. Take a quick break. We'll discuss that next. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing for listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay? So what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game, and new users, how about this, get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game, you get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200 plus $111 
for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Taurus sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. In college football right now, specifically college football. Obviously, college hoops is ramping up. The NFL, we know the Super Bowl is coming up. But college football, it's a little bit of a quieter time. Season's done. Portal is closed. There's still a few marquee players, but for the most part, everybody is committed. Uh, The second national signing day is Wednesday, but most of the top high school players have already signed where they're going to go. So not a lot going on in college football. Spring practice is starting to come up here in the next few weeks. But why I bring it up is because as has has so often happened, whenever we get a lull in the calendar and there's not much going on, we can count on Nick Saban to say something very interesting that catches everybody's eye. Well, that certainly happened over the weekend when Nick Saban was speaking at the Alabama High School Coaches Association and his favorite topic, NIL, came to the forefront. Now, you may remember Nick Saban, greatest coach of all time for what it's worth. One thing he has not been afraid to do throughout his career and specifically the last year In his career, he's not been afraid to speak out about things that he is worried about in terms of college sports, the transfer portal, how offenses work, you know, a lot of different things. And he's obviously been very outspoken about NIL, not that he doesn't want players to get NIL money, but he doesn't think we should just be bidding on recruits and whether you like, I think most people agree NIL as it was intended, taking care of players on campus that have performed for your school. Like that's what we all kind of thought NIL was. And so Nick Saban has not been very happy with the turn in recruiting, even though we all knew it was coming. He obviously had those comments about Texas A&M last summer. Texas A&M bought every recruit. Now, I didn't like that because we have no proof beyond a message board post. But he said that he said something about Deion Sanders and Travis Hunter, that Travis Hunter was paid a million dollars to go to Jackson State. Again, something that wasn't proven, but he's been very outspoken about, hey, is this what we want college football to be? And as I've said many times on this show, when Nick Saban says the term, is this what we want college football to be? He is always looking out for the best interests of college football. Nick Saban has had all the success that that he, he more success than anyone could ever imagine. Right now, when he says, when he's talking about big picture issues in college football, it's because he genuinely cares about the present and future of the sport. So anyway, to get to the point, He was speaking at the Alabama High School Coaches Association in Montgomery on Saturday night, was asked about NIL, and here's what he had to say. He said, someone with one of the best cornerbacks in the nation, now keep in mind, someone could be a high school coach, a parent, whatever. Someone with one of the best corners in the nation came to me and asked if we would pay him $800,000 for the player to sign here. I told him he can go find another place to play. I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. And so that definitely made headlines when Nick Saban, head coach, Alabama, says that one of the top cornerbacks in high school football, a person close to him, asked for 800 k to sign on the dotted line to come to Alabama, and Nick Saban told him to take a hike. And so what I would say about this, one, it's obviously a very interesting headline. Two, one thing you guys and girls know about me, in general... I don't love talking about NIL speculation on this show, okay? Because in general, and I've said it many times, the thing that I don't that that is not annoying about NIL, you just don't know what's true and what's false and how much of what is true. And what I mean by that is, and I've said this a few times, when Patrick Mahomes 
signs a contract extension or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson this offseason, like we know what the terms of the agreement are. This much money, this much money guaranteed this many years. With NIL, it's all rumor, conjecture, innuendo, which is great for guys like me that talk about this stuff every day, but it's not fair to the participants. And so because of it, I've been hesitant to go all in on Texas A&M. I've never believed that every recruit in their class of 2022 got a million dollars. I said it at the time, I, I believe NIL was involved in many of those recruitments because it is involved with everyone, but I'm not going to come on here and say that NIL or, or Texas A&M paid this much money or Jordan Addison got this much money to go to USC. Do I think he got nothing? No, he's an established college player. It's NIL. It's 2022. Now 2023. Of course, I believe Jordan Addison got something to go to USC. I also believe that Drake may probably got offers under the table to transfer out of North Carolina. I don't know if it was $5 million, but you get the point. I don't like to speculate on NIL because you don't know what's fact and you don't know what's fiction. With that said, though, this one, I believe, because this isn't Nick Saban talking about what he heard or what he thinks happened or, you know, I read in the paper that Jackson State offered Travis Hunter this. This is Nick Saban. I was in a meeting with somebody who handles a high school player, a high school superstar, and they told me they wanted 800K. And so is it possible that he exaggerated the dollar amount a little bit? Maybe. But in general, I absolutely believe that somebody was shopping an elite defensive back and trying to get 800K. I could speculate on who it would be. I think everybody that follows recruiting probably has a name in mind, but that's not really important. What's important is Saban is talking about it. What's important is the number is out there. What is important is that I believe that, um, you know, this is just where we are in college football. But we all know high school recruits are getting paid a lot of money. And so what's more interesting to me and what I want to focus on now, it's not so much that first part, because the first part is the one that gets all the headlines, right? Somebody offered my kid, a, somebody offered, somebody wanted me to pay 800K to get this kid. That's interesting. But to me, what's more interesting is what Nick Saban said at the end. He said, I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. And so to me, that is the more interesting part of the quote, because I believe that that is eventually where NIL is going to end up if it isn't there already. Now, look, are there always going to be schools, new coaches, new programs, new boosters that want to show off how much money they have? that are willing to go above and beyond to sign elite high school talent. Yes, I believe that is always going to happen. You look at this cycle. Jaden Rashada, the NIL reports of $13 million, upwards of 13 That was a bidding war between two coaching staffs that wanted an established quarterback to headline their class. You could say whether it's going to work, whether it's not going to work, whether it's this, whether it's that. That was kind of what happened with Jaden Rashada. But what I also believe is that as time goes on, as we wrap our arms around NIL, I believe that most programs are probably going to eventually default to what Nick Saban just said. If we have an allotted amount of money, X number amount from our collective, why are we going to spend it on a high school player who is unproven? Let's give it to the guys that are already in the program to one, keep them happy, two, keep them from hitting the portal to see what else is out there, and three, in rare cases, a player that could go to the NFL, let's retain him in college football right now. And I'll be blunt. I believe this is already actually happening. And I think we saw a little bit of this in this cycle. First off, remember the days leading up to when the transfer portal opened in December? If you remember those days, the word was, this is just going to be craziness. This is just going to be absurdity. Players are just going to enter the portal to see who can get the most money from what school. And to be clear, like this did actually legitimately happen. Um, you know, this did actually legitimately happen. There were players that entered the portal just to kind of see what else is out there. Saban kind of told an interesting story at this, this, uh, th this event on Saturday where he said, um, according to one of the coaches that was there, that apparently one of his players wanted to get X amount of dollars and he wanted Nick Saban or Alabama football to get his girlfriend into Alabama law school. So the point I'm trying to make, there are definitely players that entered the portal just to see what they could potentially get from a school or from their own school or whatever. 
But what I believe has already started to happen. If you look at the portal this year, I don't think it was actually nearly as crazy as people made it out to be. If you look at the biggest names to enter the portal, here is who most of them were. They were either group of five players that were looking to go up to the power five level. They were players that were on the bench that weren't going to play at big time schools. So Alabama did lose a bunch of players to the portal. They really only lost like one to two guys that were actual difference makers. JV on Cohen, offensive lineman. You know, you could argue Aaron Anderson, one of their wide receivers that ended up at LSU is really good. But for the most part, it was backups at Alabama, backups at Ohio State, backups at Notre Dame. And then it was G5 guys, as I just said, maybe a grad transfer or two like a Sam Hartman. And it was guys from schools where the coaching staff got fired. So yeah, Nebraska lost a lot of guys to the portal because they want to see what else is out there because they had no commitment to... The point I'm trying to make, most of the best players at most of the best schools did not hit the portal. You didn't see a mass exodus of starters and stars from Ohio State, from Michigan, from Oregon, from Alabama, from Georgia, from USC, from Tennessee, whoever. And I believe that's what's starting to already happen is schools are starting to allocate funds and say, you know what? If we're going to pay players, let's make sure we keep the guys in the locker room happy first. I find it very interesting that, again, we have some stories about this. Michigan started a collective about three weeks ago, specifically for players who are already in the program. So you're not eligible to receive any money or any compensation from the collective unless you're already on the roster. I spoke to a booster, not not a big booster, but I spoke to a booster the other day from one of these other Big Ten schools, not Michigan, but, you know, one of the other big ones, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, whatever. And he said the same thing. He's like, I, I, I believe our guys are as well taken care of as anybody. We're just not going to get into bidding wars for high school players. Florida State is another one. And I talked about it, on, I think it was last Friday's show, where it feels like Florida and Miami are getting into a you-know-what measuring contest to, to try and sign the best high school players. Florida State is an elite team playing great basketball or playing great football right now, going to be in the top 10 in the preseason, and they retained a bunch of guys that had the opportunity to go to the NFL. And most believe that NIL played a role in it. And so I believe this is where we're going to go with NIL in the next three, four, five years as people start to figure out NIL. One, it's hard to invest in freshmen for a few reasons. One, it's hard at the best schools to get them on the field. Now, Alabama and Georgia, and all, like, like guys are going to play. But look at Texas A&M this year. And I'm not implying that Texas A&M paid everybody. But if they're good enough to play, that's probably not a good sign. You don't want a bunch of 18-year-old kids in the program. And then two, beyond that, if they don't play right away, you paid them for nothing because they're going to hit the portal a la Quinn Ewers. So that's one. And then two, like I said, I just think it makes a lot of sense if you only have 10 million, 8 million, 4 million, 15, you know, 15, whatever the number is in your collective, pay the guys that are already on the roster because those are the guys that have already delivered. So it'll be interesting to see. But I do think that Nick Saban, I, I, I think one, this is one where, I, one, I absolutely believe him. It's not that I, I've never believed Nick Saban before, but I absolutely believe him here. And I do think, I really do think that this might be a situation where Nick Saban is kind of letting, uh, you know, kind of the guard down on what NIL is going to look like going forward, where we're probably paying more likely the elite returnees more than elite high school players. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap. Just talking a little bit of college hoops. I'll be honest. Tuesday night, you know, there have been a couple of these Tuesday night reactions and recaps where there's been a lot to talk about. Last week, if you remember, Kansas at the time was on a three-game losing streak. It felt like there was a ton to talk about. Kentucky at the time was on a four-game win streak. Talked a ton about that last Wednesday show. The Monday show, we obviously just talked about Tennessee all of a sudden, maybe potentially being this is the best team of the Rick Barnes era. I'll say this. This Tuesday night, it didn't feel like there was like a super major marquee headline. We got to spend 15 minutes talking about this topic. So what I want to do is just rip through about five, six games, five, six results from Tuesday. Get out of here and let you continue on your day on this beautiful Wednesday, February 1st. Let's start with the game of the night. Kansas State at Kansas. And if you'll allow me to give me 30 seconds to go on an old man, get off my lawn rant. because. Kansas State at Kansas. This was a rematch of the best game that we've had all year. Two weeks ago, Kansas State beats Kansas at home in overtime by one fan storm. The court, Jerome Tang is screaming, standing on the scoreboard, the, 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 the scorer's table saying, you get one court storm, after that we expect to win. One of the great moments in college basketball, rematch in Fog Allen on Tuesday night. Top 10 matchup, and it wasn't on TV. You had to have the ESPN Plus app, and listen, I know it's my job. I shouldn't complain, blah, 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 but I'm sure like a lot of you, you like to flip channels. You like to have that one main screen with the big TV, and this one was relegated to a computer, which is kind of okay because it didn't end up being a very good game, but I wish we could have gotten that on one of the main TV networks. Anyway, rant over um, because I'm probably the only person that still actually pays for normal cable. Neither here nor there, and I did think it was actually kind of an important result Kansas takes care of Kansas State. Final score, 92-78 at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Say this for Kansas, man. A week ago, we were worried about them. A week ago, they had lost three straight. Well, fast forward, they go into Rupp Arena on Saturday night and beat Kentucky, and then they follow it up with a big win against Kansas State as well. And when I look at Kansas, I think one thing is very obvious to me in terms of why they've turned the corner. If you remember a week ago, when Kansas was on the three-game losing streak, uh, big Monday, they lost to Baylor. That was after the Kansas State game. That was after another loss that they had. And I said, here's bottom line with Kansas. They have two really good wings, but really, outside of Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, they're not getting enough from the front court, and they're not getting enough from the back court. If you're not getting anything from your starting guards or your starting center, you're going to struggle. Well, on Saturday night, uh, Kansas's front court was awesome against Kentucky, limiting Kentucky to what was it? One or two offensive rebounds the entire game, limiting Oscar Shibway to one of, you know, not one of his better performances overall. But then I thought on Tuesday night, it was the guards who stepped up. And I really think the guards over the last two games have been the difference for Kansas. Dewan Harris, I dropped this stat, but in that three game losing streak, Dewan Harris, Kansas's starting point guard had a total of five points in Kansas's three-game losing streak. Well, on Tuesday night against Kansas State, he had 18 points against Kansas State, this after an 8.8 assist effort against Kentucky. And I think it's also worth noting that Kevin McCuller, who we talked about on this show last week, he was the transfer from Texas Tech. We were waiting for him to figure things out and fit in with this team. Well, he has 16 on Tuesday night against against Kansas State. And overall, 
He has really, I think, taken off in the last four or five games for Kansas State overall, or for Kansas overall, excuse me, on top of the 16 that he had on Tuesday night. He also had 11, but it was a it was a big 11, if that makes sense, against Kentucky. Prior to that, 14 against Baylor, 10 against TCU. So four straight double-figure games for him overall. Kansas now on a two-game win streak, two really impressive wins at Rupp Arena, and of course at home against Kansas State, which is in the top 10. I'll tell you, I still like this Kansas team. Now, is their ceiling as high as previous years? I don't think so, mainly because they still don't get as much low post play as you need. Eventually, especially in this year of college basketball, you're just going to run into the wrong team with the wrong bigs. Um, whether it is Zach Eady and Purdue, you know, UConn and their bigs, although UConn's not playing very well right now. Um, you know, Oscar Shibway maybe in a rematch. I don't know, but I worry about Kansas, like in terms of being a national title contender. But as I told you, Bill Self is going to figure out a way. There have been years where Kansas starts one and two in league play or two and three or two and two or two and four or whatever. That's exactly what happened as of a week ago on that three game losing streak. They bounce back and get two straight really impressive wins. But in in true, you know, the Big 12 is really tough fashion. They now, after surviving Rupp Arena, after surviving Kansas State at home, their next two, they get Iowa State at on the road on Saturday and then immediately follow it up with a big Monday game against Texas next Monday night. So it does not get any easier for Kansas. From the Kansas State perspective, listen, I, I you know, another one, I, I just, I can't get worked up about a top 10 team going on the road and losing to a really good Kansas team. Um, You know, listen, Kansas State, everything is still ahead for them. Didn't think it was their best game overall. You know, Keontae Johnson, their star was unbelievable. 22 points, 12 rebounds. Marquise Noel, 23 points. The problem was they combined for 55. The rest of the team combined for about 23 or so points. That's not going to get it done across the board. Nine points total from their bench. Again, in most big games, not going to get it done. But listen, they had the big win. They walked into a hornet's nest against Kansas tonight. Obviously, Kansas looking for revenge. Not surprised that Kansas won. Not surprised that it it was even a double-figure scoring game. These are two really good teams. I still really like Kansas State a lot. I think I've talked about it maybe on this show. I know I've talked about it a lot of places. Sometimes you have a team that gets hot in the regular season, new coach, new program, new energy, but it doesn't translate to March. This Kansas State team, I still believe in because they got those two bucket getters, Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel. They got experience, NCAA tournament experience, even if it's not with this Kansas State team specifically. Desi Sills was part of Arkansas's Elite Eight team two years ago. Keontae Johnson's played in big games. Cam Carter, their guard who transferred from Virginia Tech, has been part of big games. So, again, just in general, Mississippi State, excuse me, I should say, has played in big games. I'm not worried about Kansas State. They will be fine. Quickly, a couple other scores that I think are worth noting. I'm actually going to go to an unranked team next because I think this one, to me, was noteworthy. Arkansas, at home, playing Texas A&M. Texas A&M came into this game with just one SEC loss, seven and one in league play. Their only loss at Rupp Arena. Arkansas takes care of business, eighty-one to seventy. Couple notes on this one. First of all, for Arkansas, listen. A couple things. Ricky Council's awesome. We know that. I do think the difference for Arkansas, though, of late, is that they're really getting good play from Devo Davis. For non-Arkansas fans, that might that name might sound familiar, but you can't piece it together. He was really the key cog on their Elite Eight run. Two seasons ago, came back last year for whatever reason. It just didn't click. It took him a while. Well, guess what? He not only had 19 points on Tuesday night, but seven straight games in double figures for him. And I'll say, you know, I look at him being a veteran, being experienced, other players feeding off him. He's shooting the ball so much better. But I'll also say this about Arkansas, and we've talked a lot about it. Arkansas, I think everybody knows. The last two years, it has not started off great in league play. I think it was last year where they won in three, one in four in SEC play, end up going on an eight, nine, 10, 10 game SEC win streak at one point. And so why I bring it up, Arkansas is now on a four game SEC win streak. They've won, they've won, uh, or excuse me, three game SEC win streak. 
They've won three of four overall. Their only loss was Saturday at Baylor. Baylor's a really good team. Arkansas was up at half in that game and largely controlled a big chunk of that game before Baylor rallied to win. And so I bring it up because I look at this Arkansas team and the one thing that stands out, three straight in the SEC, they probably should have won the game before that against Missouri. And I'm just going to tell you, whether it's the rest of the SEC or the rest of the college basketball, you do not want this team to get confident playing into February. This is what they do. This is who they've been under Eric Musselman. And if you let this team get hot, if you let this team gain confidence, I'm telling you, they will get hot and they will start beating good teams. Now, good thing for Arkansas, they have a winnable game on Saturday at South Carolina, and then they really hit the back half of their schedule in the SEC, which gets much tougher. Two games against Kentucky, including a week from tonight. So literally a week from, so next Tuesday, Arkansas plays at Rupp Arena, They have Alabama still on the schedule. They have Tennessee still on the schedule, both of those games on the road. So how about that? They still have Kentucky, Alabama, and Tennessee on the road in SEC play, as well as the season finale at Bud Walton. So this is a team. Don't let them get confident because this is a team with plenty of talent, plenty of skill. Here's the other thing. Jimmy Dykes said this on the broadcast. Jimmy Dykes lives in Fayetteville or in the Fayetteville area. And he, he is around this Arkansas team a lot. He said point blank, Nick Smith Jr., the star freshman, top five pick projected, who has been out for most of the season. He's played four total games. Jimmy Dykes said he thinks that he will be back. And there is no person on planet Earth in the media that I trust in terms of Arkansas coverage more of Jimmy Dykes, more than Jimmy Dykes because of his proximity. So keep an eye on Arkansas. They're playing well. And imagine if they get a lottery pick back for the second half, the home stretch of the season specifically. A couple other odds and ends. One, did you see what Alabama did to Vanderbilt? Whew. How about this for a score? 101-44 is the final score. Alabama won by 57 points on Tuesday night. And it's funny, right? Because, listen, one thing about me, I try to separate real conversation from fake media narrative, okay? And why I bring it up, how much did I talk about Alabama, Oklahoma on Monday's Aaron Torres pod? Oh, I didn't talk about it at all because I said, if Alabama goes on a three, four game losing streak, come back and talk to me. If Alabama bounces back with a bad performance again against Vanderbilt, come talk to me. But I don't care that they struggle against Mississippi State last week, a team that they had beaten by, you know, 15 points on the road earlier this year. I don't care that they lost at Oklahoma. Come to me when we have a three, four, five game sample size that this team is going in the right direction. Uh, Yeah, I think Alabama's fine. Again, a 57 point win against uh, Vanderbilt. Oh, by the way, Alabama, again, a pretty manageable schedule for them going forward into the middle of December or the middle of February, excuse me, at LSU, Florida. And then they do close two games against Auburn at Tennessee, Arkansas at home. So Alabama still does have most of the toughest part of their schedule ahead as well. Tell you this, we're going to get some great Tuesday and Wednesday nights in the SEC. How about this? Next Tuesday night, it's Arkansas at Kentucky. Next, the, the following Wednesday, the day after Valentine's, you better get your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend out on Valentine's Day. Because the day after the 15th, if you're trying to do the, the late Valentine's dinner, Alabama at Tennessee. That should be a good one. A couple other results. Kentucky takes care of business against Ole Miss. Listen, you know, they did what they had to do. No severe or, or no case in Wallace in this game. Severe Wheeler gets hurt in the game and comes back. And Antonio Reeves, my guy, finishes with 27 points and a school tying record six three-pointers. Listen, I said it about Antonio Reeves. You can find the tweet 10 days ago. I said, this kid's a gamer. This kid's a baller. This kid is fearless. I love the way that when things go bad, he is not afraid to take the next big shot, right? That's what they say about great shooters and great scores. Miss 10, not afraid to take number 11. That's who this guy is, 27 points. Now, obviously, if you're Kentucky, you do need to get Cason Wallace back healthy. Hopefully, it was precautionary. As I record, there's not much information. He's been dealing with back spasms. 
you hope that he is fine because, it, you know, listen, I think Kentucky will be okay without him, but they're obviously their best version with Case and Wallace. By the way, we want to tear down Calipari for everything. How about we give him a tiny bit of credit? Remember what I said last Wednesday's show? Severe Wheeler came off the bench at Vandy and played a lot of minutes. And what did I say? I said, Cal is doing this because he knows at some point he is going to need Severe Wheeler. Well, Case and Wallace goes down and Severe Wheeler, even in a moment where he got hurt, ends up, or, or, or where Case and Wallace gets hurt, he ends up playing big minutes, finishes with four points, four rebounds, nine assists, just one turnover. If you get the nine to one assist to turnover ratio from Severe Wheeler, you're in pretty good shape. Final results that we'll discuss. Indiana, they just can't have nice things. Five game losing, five game winning streak is over. They lose at Maryland. Keep an eye on Maryland, by the way. For you betters out there, Maryland is undefeated at home in Big Ten play. Now they have back to back road games coming up, but that's something to keep an eye on because four of their next five after that will be at home. Maryland gets a win. Indiana can't have nice things. How about my UConn Huskies? The 14-point win against DePaul at home. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Airtour Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody, make sure that you're subscribed to the Airtour Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If you're not following our team-specific accounts, by the way, we're doing some great work there. Uh, It's a Torres on account, one probably for all of your favorite teams. We have Torres on Bama, Torres on Auburn, Torres on UK, Torres on Arkansas, we just started Torres on Mizzou, by the way. Don't know how many Missouri fans that we have on the show, but make sure to check out Torres on Mizzou. And I think that's it for today's show. And thank you guys for your support. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Friday. New Aaron Torres Pod. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.